After 40 kilometers, he turned off at the junction for Merelbeka and joined the R4 going north. They remained in formation. At this speed, expected time of arrival was in 30 minutes. But on the way towards Ghent's industrial quarter, the target slowed, and instead of continuing along the R4, he turned off towards the port. Team 2, who were ahead of the target, missed the turning and had to stop in a lay-by to wait. The Audi drove past the warehouses along the quay, rounded the docks for the cargo barges, and pulled over into a petrol station. Team 1 stopped in a neighbouring car park and observed the target. He got out, filled up the car, paid, and then drove out of the port and back onto the northbound R4, the anticipated route. Team 2 rejoined after a few minutes. They were preparing now. They took out the files, loaded 300 units of insulin, and made sure that the insulin pen and backup were both working. 300 units was ten times the daily dose that the target took for his diabetes. It was enough. The main thing was that nothing suspicious should be detected during the autopsy. At the junction for Bruges, he joined the A11, and a few kilometres later, as expected, he turned on to the N448. When everything was going smoothly, it could seem like the target had been involved in the planning of the operation. Everything happened as if by agreement. But naturally, no such agreement existed. The target was unaware. They passed through Asseneda, which was the nearest town. Team 2 had taken the faster route, avoiding the centre, and were already halfway to the cottage. He was driving slowly now, and would not leave their sight. He stopped at a tobacconist's, got out of the car, leaving the engine running, and hurried in, returning a moment later with a newspaper and what looked like a few packets of cigarettes, then drove on. They had prepared for a longer stop in the village, but he continued along a country road without stopping again. There was no traffic here. Their vehicle and that of the target were the only cars to be seen in the avenue they had just turned into, which stretched ahead for a kilometre. The cottage was secluded, on a wooded spit of land, accessible only by the bumpy road that ran through the woodland and ended by the house. The plot looked out onto one of the small lakes. A lawn ran all the way to the water's edge, and it was completely hidden from view, unless you stood on the opposite shore with binoculars. There was a small risk of bird watchers, but it would all go so quickly. If anyone happened to see what was going on, they wouldn't understand what they had witnessed anyway. They slowed down and let the target turn onto the road through the woods to the cottage. Once the Audi was out of sight, they slowly followed it, parked the car halfway up the road to the house, and got out. They moved quickly on foot along the edge of the wood. It was densely wooded with low visibility. They had to be careful. The target wasn't more than ten or so metres away. There was the house, a holiday cottage with a low fence, gate, and bushes. The metallic green car was parked on the verge of the road. There was the target, 
standing in the living room of the cottage, still wearing his coat, with his back turned to them. They rounded the corner just as he came down the front door steps onto the lawn. He was on his way to the water's edge, but only managed two or three steps before something made him turn his head, perhaps the noise of their trainers as they ran towards him. No visible signs of violence was the critical thing. He tensed up, but he didn't really understand what was happening. He was barely afraid when two of them pressed him down onto the grass and gripped his arms, while number three stuck the insulin pen into the hairline on his neck. They quickly carried him down towards the water's edge and waited until his body had stopped fighting, checked his pulse, and then they left him.